Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturgis, Mississippi. It is our goal every week to bring the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we pray that it changes your heart and provokes life change and action. God bless, and please listen from your heart. Enjoy. Good morning. We're glad you're here. Welcome to Friendship. Welcome to the many of you that are watching, maybe for the first time, if you're a guest or a visitor today. We want you to feel welcome today and feel like you're a part of our worship services today. So you can check out a whole lot more information at friendshipsturgis.com. We have information whether you're brand spanking new or you're a longtime church member. You can find so many informations when you visit our page. And going and finding that helps you to connect with our church if you're new. Or if you're a current church member, you're able to go to the small groups on there and see the many ways that you can connect. The other way you can do that as well, as maybe you're separated and you're unable to give or you've been unable to give, you can go to friendshipsturgis.com give, and it gives you an opportunity to give your tithe and to, to help with all the things that are going on here and now. So thank you for being here and being part of the services today, and we pray that you will join in in the many other things that we are currently doing until we can gather back together. Thank you for being here today. This morning we're going to look at Christ's resurrection, and we're going to look at this in two different parts from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So this morning the sermon comes from 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 19. One of the great preachers of the Puritan era captured the real meaning of the resurrection in his sermon entitled, The Death of Death in the Death of Christ. The title is more than a play on words. It contains profound truth. Again, the death of death in the death of Christ. Think about that a little bit fast and kind of play it back. So what is the reason behind everything that goes on. The reason behind our sharing in the past few weeks of spiritual gifts, the reason behind explaining how to discern those that are false prophets or those that are, that are using their gifts or those that are using their gifts for the wrong reasons, what are the purposes behind all of these things? Do they all correspond together or do they all point to the resurrected Christ. We live in a society right now where people are looking for answers. People are looking for reasons to believe. People are looking for avenues to, to search, to be able to understand or make sense of what's going on. I believe singularly Christianity and the Christian faith have an answer that the world is looking for. And maybe that's you on this morning. So the reason, the reason behind all that is written within this passage in 1 Corinthians, but also the reason behind why so many things are done throughout the biblical world or why things happen makes sense when you understand them through the lens of what is done here. Let's look at the reason that we do things. 
verses 1 and 2 of chapter 15. It says, For I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed it in vain. So the whole reason that believers in Christ, disciples, do what they do and make a stand, no matter what they're facing, no matter what comes against them, the pressures and the things of this world, even the threat of losing one's life, the reason they do what they do and the reason that we do what we do in all of this is that we understand why we stand. We understand also how we are saved. Salvation comes from Jesus Christ and Him alone. Jesus died for our sins that we might have freedom in Him alone. This is not some ideological thing from the world around us. This is not something that's pulled around and conglomerated from everything and everywhere. This is a known fact that Jesus existed, that Jesus was born, that He died, and it was also that He resurrected, meaning that He came back and He not only appeared to you know, just a few people, His disciples, as if somebody could write that off, He appeared to so many people at different times. So there's validity behind that. There's validity in the fact that, that He existed, that He did all of these things that the biblical accounts give Him credit for, that not only that happened, but that in the Christian faith, and I argue here today, the many who are looking for purpose, they will find salvation in Jesus Christ alone. He is the way to true salvation. Verses 1 and 2 kind of talk about that, and they talk about not believing and believing in vain there in verse 2. So let's look forward, secondly, to Christ's death and resurrection. Verse 3 and verse 4 says, For I delivered you as of first importance when I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. He says, according to the Scriptures, all of these things happened. He affirms the fact, Paul does, that that these things, in fact, happened. That they can be verified throughout the Scriptures, the, both the Jewish writings and the New Testament writings and the Old Testament writings and all of those things that are written, those outside the Bible, that all of these things coincide with one another. They don't contradict one another. In other words, the story that I'm telling you today, the narrative that you're hearing from me today, is the same narrative that has been spoken of and spoken of by disciples and spoken of by writers and spoken of by Jesus Himself when He was here. Throughout history, it correlates together and speaks a profound truth to the here and now. It speaks, it's based on Scripture. And it is, is rooted in the fact that He did, in fact, die for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried in, in the tomb and that He was raised on the third day. That it did, in fact, happen. That it sets everything in motion. And it sets these things here in this resurrection. It means that He came back 
for me and you. Provided that we could have and overcome the sin in our lives, that there could be hope beyond the grave, that He is preparing a place with God Almighty in heaven, that you and I, as our reward, will inherit when we pass from this world to the next. So the resurrection is true. The death is true. All the things which the biblical accounts point to are truth. So He appeared to many after He was resurrected. After He came back, after He rose from the grave, He appeared to many. Verses 5-8 through say this, And that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. So, did He just appear to a few people? The answer is no. He appeared to many. And, the, and there's maybe some of you on this day, you're saying, well, I'm kind of skeptical about that. But you could fool somebody one-on-one. You could fool somebody maybe in a small group of people, so to speak. But 500 at one time? 500 descriptions of Jesus Christ? 500 accounts? 500? I don't think you can justify rationalizing that as, as occurring or happening, He appeared to so many of them during that time. And then He appeared, as it said, then He appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, He appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I have persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace towards me did not prove vain. But I labored even more, all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether when it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now if Christ is preached that He has, risen, he has been raised from the dead... How do some among you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is also in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God, because we testified against God that He raised Christ, whom he did not raise, and if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. So why? He appeared to many. But what about the call that is given by Paul? Paul explained how he is the least of all of these. 
that Paul himself was one who persecuted Christians who encountered Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and forever changed his life. Turned it upside down. The the guy who was persecuting was now telling the good news. And how fortunate are we that God gave him that chance. That, that, That the redemption of Jesus Christ changed his heart changed his life, gave him mission and direction that nothing else had ever done. And chances are, it can do that for you too as well. Chances are the the way that Paul became who he was is nothing short of what Christ does within a person as they understand their need for salvation, as they understand that they have a purpose to live for Him as a disciple and believe in the fact that Jesus was everything He says He was. That He was alive, that He died, that He rose again. And there are so many belief systems in this world that try to contradict that fact. But I guarantee you, you will never be able to contradict what Christ did and still hold true to being a Christ follower. So he says, I am the least of these. What is the game changer that happened in his life? It was the grace of God. And the grace of God is what led him to labor and do the things he was able to do. See, it wasn't necessarily what we're looking at as what Paul did, but what Paul did for the call of Christ in his life, for the spread of Christianity, for the faith of so many, for the cultures and the people who heard without apology what Jesus did, what Jesus can do and will do. His purpose was clear. I think back on some of the examples of this that have have happened in my life. One of the least of these examples comes to comes to you as I share you the story about the bloodiest prison in America. At one point was Angola prison in Louisiana. I was fortunate along with others from from the church I was at to be able to go and lead VBS, Vacation Bible School, for the workers' kids. So we did that for several summers. But one such summer, I was able to pray on the radio station that they have that goes out to all the prisoners, that goes out to each and every one of them. I was able to pray for each and every one of them. I was able to see God at work as well even in the prison walls. They erected a seminary through New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary in the prison walls of Angola. They had a seminary. And you know what's so unique about this is that there were many in there that had a Paul-type moment on the road to Damascus. 
that were redeemed and saved and learned more about what it meant to walk with God and grow deeper in that. And they actually view themselves in light of their current circumstances as blessed and sent by God to be a missionary to other prisoners inside one of the bloodiest prisons that ever was. I believe if God can be at work in these extreme conditions, to these in our society who have committed such egregious acts, couldn't He have a profound effect on all of us who are captive to sin in a free country like the United States? Certainly in Octibaha County, anywhere, I believe, at any time. See, I believe God is living and active. That He is alive. That Christian believers do not serve a God who is dead. He is with us 24-7, every day of the year. When we are in Him, He is with us forever. So, Paul... How do we understand what Paul's writing here? How do we understand the truth of this passage? Well, in the context of the passage of 1 Corinthians, my Bible says this. It says the Apostle Paul was addressing divisions and dissensions in the church, problems of immorality, unethical behavior, and more. The wisdom of God is trans- contrasted with the wisdom in the world. Paul answers several questions about marriage and teaches the proper use of Christian liberty. He describes worship that honors the Lord, teaches the proper use of spiritual gifts, and gives instruction on the resurrection and the collection for the needy believers in Jerusalem. I believe that contextual description has a lot to say for the modern church today has a lot to be said about the church as you may know it or that is pictured in your mind. So many things are going on. So many things are happening in this world. And it's, it's no wonder that a lot of our churches look more like the world around us because the people of God are engaging in things they ought not engage in, going to places they ought not be going and doing things they ought not be doing. So the context of this leads us to first recall our first love. As Christian believers, as followers who, who believe in an authentic, true Jesus who was, who was here, born in this world, that, that died and arose for our sins, the, believing that He is, We need to recall our first love. And as disciples, we need to take a stand. That means that when we observe the things going on around us that are wrong by biblical standards, we have to speak up. We have to take action. We can't say that that's just their view or that's just this view or that's just that. It becomes a slippery slope of things when we start rationalizing the sin of the world. 
It's either right or it's wrong. It's either biblical or it's not. And we have to be ones that stand as disciples. Because if we're not willing to stand, then who will? If the church is not willing to face sin head on, then who will? If we're not the ones to bring an authentic view of Christ in the way we live, then who will? The illustration was given of this. A preacher friend of mine, returning from a tour of Europe, where he had visited his clergyman cousin, related this story. He said, A London scrub woman was taken ill. Friends sent her to the hospital. During her convalescence, she visited along the corridor. She developed a fondness for a 12-year-old, freckle-faced, red-haired boy in the room across from hers. They visited daily. Early one morning, she was awakened by confusion and conversation. Presently, the boy's mother, broken-hearted, ventured into the, the charwoman's room, exclaiming, Doctors say Johnny only has 10 minutes to live. Will you say something to him? With the courage and conviction of a great Christian, this woman walked calmly into Johnny's room, sat on his bed, took his thin hands between her callous palms and said, Listen, Johnny, God made you. God loves you. God sent His Son to save you. God wants you to come home with Him. With great difficulty, the lad raised up on his elbows and entreated his friend, Say it again. Softly she repeated, God made you. God loved you. God sent His Son to save you. God wants you to come home with Him. Johnny looked into her benign face and said, Tell God thank you. Salvation is meant for all people. Salvation is meant for the lowliest of low, the one in society that feels like they have totally blown it, messed up, have been so engaged in sin. Maybe there's so many addictions. Maybe there's so many relationships. Maybe there's so many things in your past to where you believe you couldn't possibly be forgiven from. See, the message of Christ is the message of salvation. The death, burial, and resurrection, all of that which He did for all, at all times, in all places. That means that if you are willing on this very day to trust in Jesus Christ, to believe that He died for your sins, to ask for that forgiveness, then He will truly forgive you. That means that salvation will come for you. Sadly, most people will live their lives not wanting to change, not wanting to believe that Jesus was who He said He was, and they will die and believe that they missed out in that perspective. But to not choose Jesus is to choose hell forever. The clarity of that is that you must either know Christ as Lord and Savior or you don't at all. There's no middle ground. So recalling your first love. Secondly, what we're due, our debt, is paid in full by Jesus' death and resurrection. I remember throughout the holidays that 
It's a Wonderful Life comes on. And I'm not touting it as being a religious type film. But being down and out is a feeling that comes over so many of us. But I truly believe when we are observant that of all that God did and still does, it's overwhelming and it's humbling. We truly have a blessed and wonderful life indeed. When we take an account of all that's going on, that the fact is our debt is death, but salvation is brought when Jesus paid that debt on our behalf for your sins, for my sins, once and for all. It truly becomes a wonderful life in the way that we understand eternity. Thirdly, Jesus appeared to many. So why do you still doubt Him today? Why do so many people still doubt Him today? If Jesus appeared to so many people in so many places at so many times, then why are you still running from Him? Why are you still doubting? Why are you still looking at everything, everywhere, all over the world for answers when the answer is here? The answer is clear. See, the answer becomes this too as well. And it's kind of convicting as such as Christian followers that are called to stand as disciples, I truly want us to think about, do they see Jesus in us? Do they see Jesus in you and me? Do they see the reflection of Christ in our life and the actions that we take and the things that we engage in? Do they see Him in us? See, I think of the wartime example given of people being punished by being placed in frigid waters and held there by such militant forces. The only way to escape was to renounce one's faith. And then you would be released. One by one, the people began to die and are replaced by others who would not deny their faith. As such, and so moved by the dedication of those who believe, it became too much for one who was standing on the shoreline there. He too joined the believers in the frigid waters because of their faith, and now his acknowledgement that he believed. Do you believe enough to make a choice like that? Do you believe enough to stand when no one else will? When the very certainty of your physical death might happen, will you stand? When you might lose your job, will you stand? When you might need to tell a friend about Jesus Christ and may even offend them, will you still stand? When God calls you to go across the seas, and live out your faith for the rest of your life, will you go? Wherever, however God has called you, the answer is clear. It's either a yes or a no. 
Fourthly, how do we stay, stay humble? Illustration was given by Walter Knight talking about Michelangelo. It says, when Michelangelo visited several great art galleries in European cities, he was deeply impressed by the preponderance of paintings depicting Christ standing, or excuse me, depicting Christ hanging on the cross. He asked, why are art galleries filled with so many pictures of Christ on the cross, Christ dying? Why do artists concentrate upon the, that passing episode as if that were the last word and final scene? Christ dying on the cross lasted for only a few hours, but to the end of unending eternity, Christ is alive. Christ rules and reigns and triumphs. See, so we've got to understand our lives in light of present circumstances. Paul was talking about what he went through and how Christ redeemed him and used him. He gave validity to the statements of faith that he was making that were written in the entirety of that book. He was addressing an audience that is very similar to the one I'm addressing today. First and foremost, do you need Jesus in your life? Do you need to know Him? I invite you to do so as we close and as the invitation happens. Maybe quite, maybe, you as a Christian believer need to stand. Stand like you never have before. Stand believing your faith is real, that Jesus, in fact, died and rose again for our sins. Stand as if you might be the only Christ that someone needs to see today. And as you're obedient and live your life out, the validity of Christ becomes real in their life. And they, too, call on His name. If you're here and you realize that you love to be a part of a friendship, we would love to have you. After I pray, there will be some music and there'll be a number on that screen. And I challenge you, if you need to talk to someone today, if you need to talk to a pastor today, if there's something going on in your heart and mind that you need cleared up on here and today, right now, call that number. Leave a message on the comments of this video. Some way, reach out and let us know what's going on with you. Join me in prayer. Father God, we come today. God, I pray in all things, God, that we live and stand for you, God. That we truly understand who we are because we understand who you are. Father, our purpose is wrapped up in your death, burial, and resurrection. And the way that we live is an affirmation of that. Heavenly Father, I pray for the many that are here listening, watching, and asking themselves if they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I welcome them to acknowledge Him right here, right now. Father God, we don't know what today is going to bring. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The only thing we have control over 
in our minds is right here and right now. Heavenly Father, you're reaching out to them. God, I pray that they reach out to you, that they confess their sins, that they're willing to accept that you died for them, that you paid a debt that they could not pay. And at this very time, when they are willing to do that, you're willing to save them. Heavenly Father, God, I pray today that if there's someone that needs to acknowledge that, that they do so. God, I pray for the Christian believer who has far too long remained quiet and sat still. God, I pray that they are reminded of the reason they stand and what they believe in and how it has the ability to change people's entire life, their eternity but the power it has also to change our lives as we grow closer and closer to becoming more Christ-like as we grow deeper and deeper with you. Heavenly Father, it's a call to step into the frigid waters even when nobody else will. To trust no matter what the circumstances are. To go wherever you lead us to go and do whatever you call us to do. God, we need to commit to you this day that we will stand for you. Heavenly Father, I pray as you lead, we'll respond. It's in your name that we give the glory and honor forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. We know that your time is the most valuable item you have, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fbcms. Both can be found in the show notes below. If you would leave a rating or review for our new podcast, we would be very appreciative. And if you would share it with others, we would be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled day. And remember, love God, love people, and reach the world. Have a good day.